That uh, great reaction uh, indicates how warmly people have taken to the film. It happened last night as well, and uh, I'm sure it's going to happen all over the place as the film gets released. Uh, Richard Linklater, who made this film, is a fascinating American filmmaker. With the Before trilogy, Before Sunrise, Before Sunset and Before Midnight, he showed a very human, very touching relationship at different stages nine years apart. In Boyhood, he also shows how time shapes us, how our lives change in small increments as much as dramatic shifts. We watch Mason Jr. as he goes from a six-year-old scrapping with his sister in the back of a car to an 18-year-old on the verge of adulthood who has lived through and learnt from family and personal dramas. He's loved and lost. He's discovered a fascination for photography. He's constantly reminded of his responsibilities, but he's working things out for himself. How crazily ambitious to shoot a film over 12 years, but how rewarding the results. Ella Coltrane, who grew up in Austin, Texas, came to the film after small roles in independent films and commercials. He is at the heart of boyhood, he is the heart of boyhood, with Patricia Arquette as his mother, Ethan Hawke as his father, and Lorelei Linklater, the director's daughter, as his sister, Samantha. Producer Kathleen Sutherland, also from Austin, has been with Boyhood from the second year, the second year of Twelves, which must have been a remarkable experience, seeing Ella and Lorelei grow as the film kicked on year by year and wondering what they would have when shooting finally wrapped up. It's a great pleasure today to have both Ella and Kathleen with us to talk about the film today. Thank you. I guess obvious question, uh, Ella, you were on there first, so tell us how you came to be involved. You were six years old at the time. What, what did you make of this plan to be in a film? Well, I, my, uh, my memories are pretty, are pretty patchy, as I think they are for most people at that, you know, at that stage of life. But, um, you know, I mean, as far as my becoming involved with it, I just auditioned like I would for any other project, it, aside from the fact that the audition process was not, you know, usually you go and you read, a, you read a script and they have this, you know, this whole kind of movie built that they're going to tell you about and a character for you to audition as, but as, as are most things with Richard, it was, you know, more of just kind of having a conversation and him getting to know me. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know, I think I, I was, I was kind of, I, I mean, I think I was kind of afraid, at, you know, early on just uh, to make that big of a commitment and, you know, uh, kind of be the subject of, you know, that much attention, even just, you know, on the, on the set. That's, it's a big role, but <laughs> I, uh, I certainly came to enjoy it. Did he tell you at the time exactly what he had planned or is that just something that he kept to himself and let it evolve as it evolved? I mean, I think, you know, he, he, he was, he was definitely open with, you know, what, what he had and, you know, the kind of the, the outline of the, of the idea of the project that he had. But, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it was, you know, kind of organically grew as the, you know, as, as the project went on. So he didn't have all that much to tell me really, you know, it was more just kind of getting a feel for things early on. When you were particularly, when you were young, I wondered if you thought at any stage when he called up at the start of a year and, you know, do I want to continue to be involved? Should I, you know, I just want to leave my life, leave me alone. Yeah, no, I mean, not, not, not really, you know, it, it, it was 
overall, it kind of can seem like a big commitment, but you know, it, it was really a, a, a week or maybe two at most out of the year. So it never really felt like that big of a, a burden. And, you know, as well as just it was a, really a blast to be on the set. You know, Rick's, uh, Rick's sets are really delightful. And um, so it was, you know, it was very much like a summer camp almost, you know, something I looked forward to. And I always learned a lot, so. I guess a big question for anybody watching the film is how much of your life is Mason's life and how much of Mason's life is your life? How they differ and how they are similar. Right, well, the, I mean, the, the similarities are, are most, are fairly indirect, you know? I mean, there's a lot of, you know, kind of situational and kind of social dynamics um, that, you know, Rick would definitely pull from, you know, and pull from my life and kind of work into the story. But, you know, it, as far as, the arc of Mason's life, it is very different from mine. You know, I, uh, I, never, I wasn't in public school and I, my parents were married for much longer and I didn't have any siblings. So it, you know, a lot of that was, was very foreign to me. Um, but you know, there are, there are a lot of my, a lot of my kind of traits and ideas that are, that are reflected and, you know, on screen, just inevitably, you know, when, when you're working on a project that long and kind of putting yourself into it. It's, I think we're all reflected, you know, it's not, not only me or, or Rick, but, but uh, you know, a lot of the crew even, you know, there's just everybody had a lot of, a lot of input into uh, kind of crafting the, the universe. Did you, when Richard, how did the mechanics work? Did he ring you up at some stage every year and said, this is what we want to do coming up? I mean, more, you know, more or less, we were really kind of always in contact. You know, Rick would, would call me half a dozen times, you know, at least throughout the year. And, you know, we'd kind of grab lunch sometimes and just to kind of, because he was, you know, he's always thinking away and he kind of wanted me to be too, to an extent, you know, and so he would always kind of keep the ideas, you know, fresh and be kind of keeping me posted as he, as, you know, as he started to figure out where he wanted the year to go and, um, and, you know, kind of keep me aware of, you know, what kind of input he was going to want from me so I could kind of think, be thinking about that as I went about my life and interacted with my friends and family. And well, it's a beautiful piece of acting and very truthful and very touching. And, uh, you know, it's a, your contribution is quite remarkable over all those years. So congratulations on your first film, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. How did you come to it, Kathleen? And, and what stage of kind of development was the idea when you, when you did come to it? Well, I started on the project in the second year and, um, you know, went from there. Um, we, every year, I mean, it was, a, it was a project that IFC had agreed to take on. And uh, each year we'd go back and I'd present them with a new budget and we'd shoot another round. And then as soon as we finished that, you know, be okay. What's the next? What's the next one going to be? So, you know, Rick was always, um, like Eller said, you know, he was always thinking about it and had it going in his head. So I was kind of, you know, throughout the year, always thinking about, you know, when when are we all going to get together? When are we going to do this again? And trying to make sure that everybody's schedules would fit together and that you know we could have our summer camp of filmmaking, you know, as it were. Do you have a uh, a bodyguard? 
following uh, Ella around so that he doesn't get into any trouble and he's, you know, still looks <laughs> handsome every year. Comes up. No, no, he didn't have a bodyguard, but... No, no rules? No tattoo, no hangover style facial tattoos or anything of that kind? Uh, I think facial tattoos were definitely off the list, but uh, Eller did go and get his ears pierced. And uh, there was one time, though, that we had to ask him to not cut his hair for a while. So when he finally got to cut it, that was a big relief. That was just one of the parameters that we did ask him to follow. As the film started, I, I wondered, it's called Boyhood, but I wondered whether. Samantha was going to be just as much a character at the start and just the way things evolved that ended up being more Mason's story. Well, you know, the, the story was always about childhood and, and parenting and family and um, really, but, sort, but seen through Mason's eyes. And uh, even the title Boyhood was something that we grappled with because the film is a is a lot, it's about a lot more than just that. It's about the, the multitude of relationships that you have in your life as you're, you know, growing up and going through those school years and making your friends and losing your friends and, you know, developing different relationships and the evolution of, you know, the relationship between you and your parents and how all that plays out. I, you know, it, it was really difficult to just name it boyhood because we, it, we wanted to encompass you know, everybody's contribution, you know, all the characters in the film. I mean, Patricia Arquette just, I think, turns out a lovely performance, you know, and it's as much about mothering and fathering and the mistakes that um, we make even as adults. We're all still growing up. We're, we're all still maturing and learning every day, I think. She, that's a great character. She has to survive so much and just get through so much for her kids, really, doesn't she? And that's... It could easily be her story. It, it easily could be. <laughs> uh, I wonder if um, when you joined the project, you knew that it was going to end up like this? Did, did, was there a sort of story arc structured already? The, the story arc was there. The screenplay was not. Uh, that was, I mean, otherwise, I guess we could have made millions because we wrote the iPhone into the script, <laughs> you know? If, we, if we'd known that back in 2002, you know... That was but, just so you could get a talk at the Apple store. Uh, yeah. Product right. placement. Um, yeah, the story arc was, was always there. Rick always knew how it was going to end with the shot that it ends with. That, that was always in the plan. But um, as far as the rest of the project, I mean, there was a fluidity to the storyline and, uh, and, and, you know, and that... There was a gracefulness to that, that it wasn't all set in stone. Uh, he knew where it was headed, just it was an, you know, a, a softer path getting there, I guess. And um, I noticed that Ethan Hawke has talked about going and shooting a short film every year. Were they literally short films that you shot? What, is there a version where you actually have 12 short films? I don't, I don't think it would have worked as 12 short films. I mean, I don't know if anybody could say watching the film where each moment was that that it as it evolved you know i mean there's certain points but um no and, and it what and it didn't feel like shooting 12 short films but as far as getting to the end and sitting here and seeing all of this and having the film be as well received as it is that's just a blessing i mean it's just been amazing that it turned out as as 
as, as well as it did, you know. Ella, I, um, I wonder if there were times when Mason was growing up quicker than you or growing up slower than you. Did you ever feel like, you know, get on with the story or, or slow it down because you didn't understand what was happening? I mean, I, I think uh, Rick always made sure, you know, it was intentional to keep, uh, keep Mason a little bit behind where I was, you know, d uh, developmentally. Um, you know, especially with kind of so-called landmarks of, you know, kind of growing up. Uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't want me to be doing anything for the first time on, on camera. Um, but I, I think, I mean, there definitely early, early on, you know, it, <laughs> there was, it was a little bit like uh, pretending to be, I don't know, a, a normal kid, I guess, <laughs> when, when I was younger. And, you know, as, as Mason got older, my, you know, my, uh, I was kind of able to put my personality and, you know, put more kind of direct input into the, into the character. Did, um, was it hard as each year came around to remember who Mason was and to get yourself back into the frame of mind to play him? Well, I mean, it's, you know, it was always kind of in my head, you know, so it, it was just, it was very gradual to kind of, uh, you know, find the, the point between my own personality and, you know, the personality that we were crafting, you know, to put on, put on screen. And, and, you know, like I said, Rick was always kind of keeping it, keeping it going, you know, for me. So it, it always just kind of slid into place, really. Yeah. It, um, Kathleen, did, tell us about Richard Linklater and what kind of obsessive it must be to make a film over this period of time. Rick's not really obsessive, but uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't use that word for him at all. Um, I, he's in, he does have an incredible memory. I, I, he impresses me all the time with things he can remember, I can't remember, but he's, uh, he's, he's always got a head full of ideas. And uh, I think, you know, he's just really good at acting on them. I love the way the film is, a, it's a portrait of America, it's a portrait of small town America, it's a portrait of changing times, but the clever thing was that it's not done obviously in the sense that you immediately somebody turns the radio on and there's a pop track uh, there are a couple of them i think there's a got your song in there isn't there which but there's you know it's it's not obvious nobody turns to the camera and says well it's now it's 19 uh, 2003 uh, you know just subtle things happen like that and how much of it was intended to be a kind of you know a look at america as it evolved well you know it the, for example, you mentioned the music. I mean, when, when we did the edit, you know, and Rick placed the music throughout, it does sort of mark time. And uh, music is a really good trigger of memory. So there are points in there that you go, oh, yeah, I remember I was, you know, doing this when that song came out, came out you know. But um, it, it's, as a matter of fact, the soundtrack, I think, is going to be phenomenal. I'm really excited about it. And... Um, uh, Ella, can I ask you about the, uh, the idea of um, Mason affecting you? Would, would you? Are you a different person now than you would be if you weren't being filmed on the way through? Are you a bit more aware somehow of the process of growing up? Or are you a bit more... I don't know, were you, did it change how you grew up being in the film? 
I mean, I, 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 I'm sure, I'm sure it did. You know, I've never experienced the uh, the life that I would have had without working on Boyhood. And you know, I, I don't know if it's as much that you know the character affected me as just being involved in the project, you know, and working, you know, working on such a long form kind of piece of art and, you know, learning how to invest myself in, you know, in that and, and also just, you know, working with people like Rick and, and Ethan and Patricia, you know, very driven and, you know, accomplished artists that I think definitely, you know, kind of shaped, shaped who I am. How much of the dialogue was written and how much was improvised? Well, I, none of it was improvised on camera, but um, you know, almost all of the dialogue was kind of workshopped, you know, by between Rick and the actors um, to kind of organically grow, you know, this dialogue that is a mixture of our own words and you know where where Rick want, wanted the scenes to go. So, tell us about working with. Ethan Hawke and Patricia Arquette. Ethan Hawke has obviously had experience doing the same kind of process in the before movies with Julie Delpy. They would get back together again and kind of find out who each other were and their characters and how they've evolved and came up with three great films. Uh, tell us about how, you know, working with them and I guess it was a kind of a surrogate family for you I guess, during this filming. Definitely. I mean, I, and I mean, not just, you know, not just them, it, the, the whole, the whole crew, the whole team kind of became very much a family and, you know, a, a, a very supportive environment to, to kind of learn how to, how to act and how to, how to create, you know, create a film. And, um, and certainly Ethan, you know, as far as kind of, uh, being, being in front of the camera at a young age, Ethan, I think has, you know, a, a lot of valuable, valuable experience and input. You know, it, not a lot of it was direct. You know, I mean, I don't never remember him giving me like specific advice, but he was always very much, you know, supporting me and kind of on my on my side. Have you seen the, the Seven Up series, the British documentary series that came back to kids every seven years? I, I haven't, unfortunately, but I've I've heard it's very, very good. It is, and it's fascinating too because you have a portrait of kids, how much they change from each seven year period. Some didn't want to be in the film. Uh, some say that they grew up on camera. Some, you know, had different reactions to it. I guess another uh, similar experience, uh, similar, you know, another film which relates to growing up on screen is The Truman Show. Did you ever feel like you're in The Truman Show? It, I, I, that, that I feels, <laughs> if anything, like a more accurate comparison. Um, you know, it's a, uh, there is a, a certain kind of surreal and almost metaphysical, you know, aspect to my life and the way, the way I grew up and the way I kind of came to figure out who I am, you know, the, uh, the, the, the project and the, you know, the, the story of the film is certainly is a huge part of, you know, how I, how I grew up. It's hard enough dealing when you're a teenager with, with emotions, strong emotions, with love, with sense of identity, with all the frustrations of life and the extreme experiences. I, I wonder how vulnerable you felt about particularly, you know, uh, expressing your emotion, uh, about, you know, formative relationships, early loves, those kind of things. Were they difficult to uh, deal with on screen? Not, not really. I mean, I, I, I've, 
I've always been really open with my emotions, and that's kind of, you know, it's one of the main things I think my parents really kind of strove to, to teach me, um, is to just be open. And so it was, I don't know, I, I never really thought twice about it. I mean, I definitely was very vulnerable, but it was, I was, you know, I was never really um, afraid of that, so. It was, if anything, a wonderful outlet, you know, to express those things that otherwise it can be hard to, hard, hard to really express and, and explore, you know, I mean, to, you know, to have that, that other universe to kind of step into and, and kind of see these certain aspects of my life, but, you know, through this other kind of lens of, of this story, it, I think kind of, you know, it gives you a, slightly removed, you know, look at, at your emotions and at yourself. Are you an actor now? <laughs> I don't know. I've been, I've been training to be one for a while, it seems. Um, I'm, not, I'm not acting in anything as we speak, but I'm certainly ready to. I think it's got a pretty good calling card. Uh, Kathleen, I, I wonder if, um, you know, casting is so important for any kind of film and particularly important for something like this. I wonder if Richard Linklater ever talked about why he chose Ella. Obviously a great piece of casting. Well, yeah, Ella, I think Ella does a fine job of acting in this film and um, he obviously showed that potential when Rick did the casting. There were a lot of kids that came in, you know, to audition and um, Eller had this really, as Rick called it, an ethereal quality about him that he was looking for in the, you know, and, and uh, was a very thoughtful child and obviously can articulate and express himself now in the fine young man that he is. And um, his parents also were both artists and were uh, part of the process too, you know, they were with us throughout the, you know, all those years and um, it, you know, Rick knew that they would probably always be handing over their child to us. So, that, you know, it was sort of, it was a commitment on their part to, to um, for everyone, you know. So, yeah. Can you tell us about the logistics of it? How difficult was it to wrangle everybody every year? And what was the hardest year? Oh, yeah. It, logistically, it was so easy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Everybody was just always there. Yeah, they, yeah, everyone was available, not, hanging out, waiting. None of them were, waiting, were busy just, or working actors. Or uh, it, 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 was, it was exceedingly difficult to get schedules to all mesh together and have, you know, two busy people like Patricia and Ethan and, and Rick and the other projects that he was working on, you know, to get everybody at the same time and all the crew, you know, that we have in Austin and... Um, yeah, it was, it was a, a, a logistical, um, you know, it, <laughs> no, it wasn't easy, but, uh, but it was always a good challenge. I mean, it was, it was fun. And when we got together, it was um, like having family back around again. You know, a lot of the crew worked on the project for some of them for, you know, the bulk of, of those 12 years and, you know, getting to see everybody again, getting to hang out with your friends and be, be part of that group and, you know, some of the crew, they might be on another project and would be frankly disappointed that they weren't around and, and able to make it work with their schedules as well. But um, it was, if, you know, for as hard as it was, it was so rewarding, you know. 
What would you have done if uh, Ella's family had wanted to move to Alaska or Hawaii or Bulgaria? Well, we did have a contract. <laughs> you can, we, we are, the lawyer said you can have a contract for seven years, and then after seven years, we had to have another contract for the remaining five years. I don't know. Somehow, legally, I don't know if this is only in the States, but you can only contractualize someone for that length of time. So, so it was effectively under house arrest for... <laughs> well, you know, we would have flown him back, I guess, but... Um, Austin's a great town, you know. Why leave? I mean, it's our, it's our home, and I, you know, my, I think that is a, probably a part of why, you know, why I was chosen is because, you know, it didn't seem terribly likely that, that we would be leaving Texas anytime soon. So, I think everybody who sees the film will fall partly in love with everybody in it, and also with with Mason. I wonder we're going to see his life continue on screen. Um, yeah, that, that's, yeah, all right, manhood. Um. <laughs> Give us a little while to think about that one, okay? Maybe that's not the title, but uh, I could imagine revisiting it in the same way as before sunrise and sunset to see where, how life evolves. Are you, are you up for it, or, or are you, have you done now? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I would follow Rick, you know, to the end of the earth, so it's really a question for him, but I, will, I would uh, take any chance to, to work with him again, so. I reckon it's a film that everybody will get different things out of, and a lot of that thing, stuff that I said at the start about how time changes in subtle sorts of ways, uh, some people will take out aspects of their own childhood out of it. Some people will, will see their parents maybe in a different way. I wonder what the two of you see as the themes of the film. I, I, I definitely see it. Time is actually one of the sort of fifth characters of, of the film. I mean, it's a big component of it and how it affects us all and our memories. And um, that it just, it can, it can go by so quickly. It, it can go by in just over two and a half hours, you know, as, as you just saw. And, and you know, that to really cherish those times that you have. And um, it, the film leaves me with a, a really nice sense of, of hope. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think that if anything, you know, the theme of the film is just kind of the nature of of human of human life, and you know that's it's something that is blown, you know, far kind of out of proportion and, and warped. I think in a lot of a lot of storytelling, and and you know, just kind of a more a more simple and kind of uh, I don't want to say realistic, but a, you know, a less fantastic uh, kind of portrait of what it what it is to be human, and. Um, and certainly just the, the fleeting and fragile nature of, of, uh, of life and, you know, how, how important it is to just appreciate every moment of it. Yeah. I wonder about, you mentioned Ethan Hawke and Patricia Arquette. I wonder if you can talk a bit about your relationship with your sister, uh, on your screen sister, uh, how that sort of changed. It seemed through the course of the film that she became a bit more, 
she was extremely upfront and precocious, I suppose, at the start. But towards the end, she was almost a bit more inward-looking and uh, recessive as a character. Uh, tell us about how that evolved and how your relationship as brother and sister on screen changed. I mean, I think that, you know, both of our, you know, as are both of our transformations are kind of a reflection of, you know, how, how we changed. I, you know, I was a much more kind of uh, reserved child and, and I've become somewhat more outgoing as I've gotten older and Lorelai, I think, has become, you know, more reserved and introverted as, as she's gotten older. Um, and, you know, I, and also, you know, we were very much uh, kind of at odds as, as, as small children, you know, we were very standoffish. Um, and, but, uh, you know, as, as things do, you know, we, you know, things kind of calmed down and we grew up and, you know, realized that we had shared a very unique experience together. And, you know, there are a few people that have really experienced what the two of us have. And so, you know, it's a very valuable, uh, friendship for both of us, I think. Maybe I'll just ask one more question before we open it up to the floor for questions. Can you both talk about the best moment of this 12 years, the best moment of the production and the worst moment? Um, well, I guess um, one of the best moments was the very last scene that we shot was up on the mountainside and, and uh, just that, that moment the sun was going down and uh, I mean literally it was the sun was going down, it was setting on the scene, and we were finishing up uh, that last shot with the cast, and um, that was the culmination of 12 years, you know, that was the, the end of it, and uh, we were in West Texas out um, in the desert where, it's, you know, you have to drive for hours to get out there, and it's just, it's beautiful, it's, I'm sure you know here in Australia, you know, to, to get out in a sky like that and what it can do for your spirit and, you know, for your soul and the whole, you know, cast was gathered around and the crew and that last shot happened and we said, that's a wrap for the very last time. And that was really, um, it was very tender and very bittersweet and very meaningful to all of us who had worked so, so long and so hard on the project and uh, to have it then end was, was you know, dear. It's that, it's that sweet and sour moment, you know, that, um, and that we got to all share it together out there in, in that beautiful space with that beautiful sunset and, you know, the sky all around us. It was the right place to be. So that was the best part of it. And, um, the worst part was almost losing that location <laughs> days before we went to shoot because uh, we were scheduled to be at Big Bend National Park and uh, the, our federal government uh, shut down. I don't know if you remember that, you might not, but we had a little government shutdown and uh, all things national came to a grinding halt, which included our national treasures and our parks and we couldn't get in so um, we had to um, regroup days before and go over to the state park and uh, they welcomed us with open arms and it was it, it all turned out well in the end hello well my answer is very much the same I think you know that that moment was was really special and uh, it you know it came at a really kind of opportune moment in my life 
particularly, you know, it uh, I it was uh, that you know that those few months were a very kind of uh, formative time for me, and you know, to have this massive project that has you know been a somewhat sizable part of my life for really as long as I can remember, you know, to be wrapped up and kind of finally just see the see the aftermath of that and and you know certainly just to i don't know it's it 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 uh it's difficult to describe but you know it kind of a shift a shift took place i think and you know the um i think the way that you know hopefully the way that it comes across on screen and you know the way that the audience kind of experiences that moment is you know very similar to the way we felt filming it what was it like for you watching the film for the first time and seeing your childhood? It's, it was brutal, definitely. <laughs> it, um, you know, I've seen it quite a few times now and um, it takes on new meaning every time. And it, you know, I, I, uh, I think appreciate the film as a whole, you know, much more now, the, fat, the past few times I've seen it. Um, but the first, the first two or three or even four times, it was extremely emotional and a lot to, a lot to take in. You know, that's a, a very, uh, a very tender and kind of elusive part of yourself. You know, the how you change over time. That you know, it's difficult to really capture and difficult to really see. Um, and I certainly had never seen, you know, I don't have many home movies really, so this is, I have, I have this, and so it was, you know, it was a lot to see all at once. It's quite a home movie. <laughs> okay, we'll take some questions from the floor. Maybe we'll start there if that's okay. There's some microphones coming. What was his intention? I mean, boyhood is, boyhood, it's the triumph of boyhood because of the woman who made this boyhood great at the end. Yes, um, I think we all owe our mothers our lives. And um, it, it is, I mean, it's, it, Patricia's character is a very, she is actually a very strong woman. I mean, even though Olivia makes some bad choices and some of the men that she's with, you know, we, we, you look at it and you realize that, you know, we're all just a, a little bit frail as humans. And, you know, it's what, being human is about. We make, we make mistakes, you know, you hopefully learn from them. Um, a lot of it was actually autobiographical for Rick and his own mother, so, who did go back to school and, with, you know, and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, I think Olivia is a, is, a, is a great character. I think she's a very powerful woman as much as you see her, you know, as much as you see the frailties in her and, and you know, the consequences of the choices that she makes. She's, uh, she's still very inspiring to me. Hello? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, as far as Rick's, you know, in, intention, I think certainly part of it is as far, at least with, the, you know, Patricia's character is, was exactly that, to, you know, to show that even, you know, even through all of the, you know, all of the difficulties that, you know, teenage boys can have with their mother and, you know, and, you know, just the kind of rocky road that your parents can, can drag you through growing up, you know, just how, how important and how tender that those relationships are and, you know, how, how important it is to cherish them. You know, that's certainly 
a lot of what I took away from just working on the film, you know, some of those final scenes with Patricia came at a really perfect time in my life and, you know, held up a big mirror to my own relationship with my mother. And, you know, I, I think that's a large part of, of what the film is, you know, is kind of setting out to, to, uh, to show. Also, I think it's great that you had a mix of laughter and seriousness. That kind of, you know, is part of the shape of life, I guess, that he was trying to get across. So. The, the interesting thing about the film that we, we found looking back on it, you know, is that you, socially we didn't change a huge amount, you know, at least in the States. I mean, it's not, you know, we, we, did, we, we didn't have this big evolution socially, but certainly with the digital age, it just, you know, we've, we've come so far in the last 12 years with what we have and what we do. And, and yeah, you can see that on the... You can see that on camera, off camera. Um, you know, we there was a decision made at the very beginning to only shoot on 35 millimeter film because of all the digital cameras that you have. We knew that just like everything else, it was gonna, it was just gonna keep evolving so rapidly that, you know, to have that cohesiveness in the cinematography, um, you know, that choice was made and stuck to to just have 35 millimeter film. Now, our film stock actually changed over the years. We, we, I kept going back to Kodak and going, you guys still here? Okay, great. Um, you know, uh, you know and, and, and trying to get the same emulsion. And I actually went through several different film stocks over the year because they would retire the number. You know, they would retire my number of what, of what we were using. So, you know, that was interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there were things, obviously, like even just from the little things of how to run an office just really evolved by the end, you know, I can pull, I can pull out my iPhone <laughs> and, you know, scan somebody's contract right there with my, my little scan app and, you know, hit my send button and shoot it off to them. I couldn't do that when I started the film. I mean, you know, but I started in filmmaking back when we had call sheets that were all written in pencil, you know, so come a long way. Once everything had been filmed, did the edit change, you know, from the beginning to the end because it was all there finally? The, each year that was, that was shot was, you know, basically started with a synopsis and then from there, you know, Rick would workshop it and we'd have, you know, the, a, a script sometimes the day of, you know, that we were shooting and um, each, each of those, you know, were sort of episodes, you know, which you don't, you may not see as much in the flow of the film as you're watching it, but, you know, we were, we were shooting in, in segments um, you know, on average four, four days out of, the, you know, four days a year. Um, and so all of that, um, you know, kind of the intention was always to have it cohesively flow into one film that you, you just see seamlessly. Uh, he was editing as we went along, Sandra Adair, Adair our editor, and, and Rick were working on it every year. So we were always up to date with that and then a few times here and there he was able to go back in over the years and really start fine-tuning it and tweaking it down when we came into you know the final push for post-production you know we got the last episode in there and then started placing the music and how much uh, how much footage did you shoot a lot 
Yeah, no, it was it was a lot of footage. I think somewhere somewhere online, um, I, I think maybe on our maybe on our Boyhood website there there is the actual number of footage of film because I did ha actually add that up recently. I just can't remember it off the top of my head. Okay. Questions here. Question, but my dad just asked me to ask what it felt like when you got your hair cut. <laughs> um, it was a relief. Uh, you know, like Kathleen said, they had uh, forced me to grow my hair out, so that uh, Mason's feelings were very much not my own. I was, I was relieved. Okay. Okay. My question. Sorry. Um, do you have any like actors that you admire or films that? Because I know you started when you were really young, so. You probably didn't really know about film, films as much when you were young, but now as you're an older actor, how many of the films in the media that you watched influenced your character and your acting? Um, sorry, can you repeat the last bit? The, oh, uh, oh, sorry. Like, how much of like the media and the films and the actors that you watch have influenced your character and the way you've grown? Are there any um, that you admire? You know, I'm I'm not sure entirely. It. Um, it's, you know, it's strange. It, it was difficult for me to think of myself as an actor, you know, in the, in the process. So I, I definitely, there are a lot of actors that I admire and, you know, filmmakers that I, that I admire very much. Um, but at least consciously, you know, that our, our process um, and, you know, just our project was kind of removed for me from from the media and from, you know, from the idea of it even ever actually being a film, you know, that's, it's strange to say that, but it, um, you know, that, that, that side of it and that kind of goal, that end goal was always a little bit abstract, so, I don't know. <laughs> the thought struck me that you looked at the end of the film like Ethan Hawke looked like at the start of the film. Was, it, was that deliberate? Yes, I, I grew my face this way on purpose. But in terms of facial hair and... <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I, had, I had facial hair and, you know, I, um, I don't know. I think that was just kind of a, a fluke, you know, something, <laughs> something uh, that Rick hoped for maybe, but I don't know. I, th I think we just got lucky. Okay. You may have just answered my question for me, um, but I wanted to say part of what made Ella so successful as um, a cast for Mason's character is that his physical growth paralleled Mason's mental growth. So I want to know how much would the film have changed if your physical growth had turned out very different, such as becoming a stocky, muscular teen? Yeah, you know, R Rick, Rick always said, like, if, if he had become a wrestler, you know, then maybe there might be some wrestling in the film, but... Um, yeah, I, th I think that, you know, just because of, because of the film being what it was and being, being this real risky endeavor in some regards, you know, that um, it, so it had that organic quality to it that, you know, you, you, we had to stay flexible about some things. Kathleen, I wanted to ask um, how difficult it was to maintain Universal Studios, like um, the funding for the, over that 12-year period. I know a lot of 
good filmmakers are struggling to find funding, especially independent filmmakers, and your experience as a producer, if you could, yeah, illuminate us. So, f you want to know how to get funded? No. <laughs> how, did, how did you maintain the funding over oh, the period of time? How did we maintain the funding? Well, um, uh, IFC had, a, had agreed. Who, who is IFC? Independent Film Channel in, in the States. So they had, they had agreed to fund the project, Jonathan Saring at IFC, and each year was basically going back and asking for the, the next budget. So we had a series, had a series of 12 budgets to work within over that course of time. And I, I remember thinking about halfway through, yes, we've got them, you know, like, you know, we're halfway there. So really that just meant you had to keep on going, you know, to get to the end. What about when executives change and lose interest in your project? Um, you know, uh, the, the economy changed and uh, technology changed, but Jonathan Saring did not change. He's, he's still at IFC, and um, he's, he's a great guy. You know, he, he, he was there at the beginning, and he was there at the end. I mean... Was it an expensive film to make, given it took so long? An expensive film to make? No, it was not. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you very much. I watched it last night, and it's, I haven't stopped thinking about it, so thank you. Uh, Ella, without being too personal, what did your parents think when they saw it? You've talked about how you felt, but what did, how did they feel? I mean, they were, they were blown away, I think. It, um, it, you know, in a, in similarly to how, how I was, you know, in that they've... But it also very different because, you know, they've watched me grow up. I've been growing up this whole time, but they've been watching me and raising me and, you know, um, kind of in the thick of it with me, so it, you know, I think it was very, um, very intense and, you know, um, uh, meaningful for both of them to, to see it after all this time, because also, you know, they, they were, they were kind of there, you know, they were involved in the process and they were with me on set a lot of the time, but, but they weren't making the movie, you know, they were kind of just on the, on the outside, you know, always, um, looking in a little bit, so. It was um, maybe more surprising to them, you know, more kind of of a of a new of a new thing to 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 see, you know, what what exactly we had been doing all this time. I can only imagine for them what it what it was like because my daughter is six months younger than Eller, and so over the years, whenever I needed an extra, it was like go to work you know, and would put her in there. And so she kind of pops up throughout the film. And there's, you'll never know where, but I do. And I can see her throughout. And it's just, it's, it's so sweet to me just to see her for that little bit of time, you know, and that, that that's embedded in this film and that I will always have that. You know, it's like she's my little Easter egg, you know. So I can only imagine for his parents what it must be like to have they, they both cried m maybe more than I did, which is saying something. Okay, at the back. Uh, hi, Ella. I'm just wondering, if you ever have children of your own, uh, how would you go about showing the film to them? Would you wait until they're a certain age? Or, like, would you not want them to see it until they're at the age where they can sort of appreciate and understand everything? Or would you not want them to see it at all? Or 
uh, leave it up to them. How would you go about that? I mean, it's a, it's a huge part of me that, you know, I think at some point or another I'll show to anyone that's close to me. And, you know, I mean, it's, I, I, don't, I don't feel the kind of, you know, the, it's, not, it's not like offensive. So I, I don't think it, it would need to be like they could only see it once they can appreciate it, you know. But I certainly think, you know, if, if I were to have children, they're, you know, it would be, it would be bizarre to, to see that and, you know, have that kind of that, that disconnect of this person, you know, this person growing up on screen and then it's... <laughs> your parent. I don't know. That's really weird to think about, but um, I would definitely show it to my children and probably when they were young and continue showing it to them as they grew up. <laughs> um, I'm just wondering if uh, Ella might be able to comment on sort of the recurring beats of sort of the patriarchal pressures either from his stepdads or from his bosses or his teachers. It seemed a lot of those kind of scenes came from males, and I wonder if that's maybe a Richard anecdote kind of thing or an autobiographical element from Richard, or if that's something you guys just wanted to explore. I mean, I think that's, you know, that, that is definitely, you know, something, at least as far as the, the series of stepfathers, that's, you know, a very autobiographical thing from, from Rich's life. Um, but that's also just a very, you know, that's a very large part of growing up Growing up in general, but you know, growing up as as a as a boy, is you know you're kind of constantly being bullied and dominated by these you know by these other kind of male figures in your life, and you know once you, and that's really what growing up is is you know is to is to kind of discover that, you know you're a you're a boy too, and you can you know you don't have to uh, live in the world of all these older men, um, so. I don't know. I mean, that, that definitely was a large part of what of what he wanted to explore, and that's a large part of my life as well. So it's something that you know I was uh, keen to express. I think. I wonder if you felt that the hope that the filmmakers would give Patricia Arquette a better a better partner. That, <laughs> who are these ratbags she keeps ending up with? Right. You know, encourage them to give her give her a better husband, her character. Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's not, not really because it's very, it's very real, you know, it's very brutal. And that's kind of, you know, I mean, I don't, none of the husbands, I think, are, aside from perhaps Dr. Welbrock, are bad people, you know, and, I, and that's kind of part of it, you know, is it, that it's, everyone has their flaws and, you know, you, you, you fall in love with these people and, and then kind of discover that, you know, you may or may not be able to live with their flaws, um, but I, I will say I, I, I have a theory that the uh, Ernesto, the, uh, the, the, the fellow from the end, is, is the next husband, and he, he seems nicer. So it's not the guy who owns the restaurant? Yeah, yeah. Hello, uh, Eleanor uh, and um, Kathleen, great film. I just wanted to ask, uh, the, the uh, directing of the, the, when you were younger, as a, as a child, was fantastic by uh, Richard. Can you explain like, how he actually directed you, because if you look at his previous film, like School of Rock, he gets great performances from kid actors. So what, 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 how was he actually interacting with you in those early scenes? I mean, you know, I... Eller doesn't have a lot of memory of those early yeah. scenes, actually. Um... I mean, he talks to you like a person, and he, he makes you feel very comfortable, and that's how he gets great performances from everyone. And that's especially crucial with children, I think. You know, people who are very fragile and, you know, uh, sensitive to 
being, you know, treated like something other than a human. And, and I think, you know, as far as how he actually directed me, she's right. You know, I don't really remember a whole lot, but Rick always, you know, made me feel very comfortable and, you know, spoke very directly and matter-of-factly to me. And, you know, I think that's why I was able to be, you know, natural. Could you explain, Kathleen, about how you saw him work with the children in particular? I think that, that what Eller said is very true, that Rick has... Um, he just, he just has a very easy approach, and uh, he, you know, he, he, he is very successful at drawing that out of people, and I know Ellard, you know, um, is an example of that. What was the reception of the film in the United States? What was the reception of the film in the United States? I don't think it's open yet, has it? Uh, no, but uh, we did premiere at Sundance. Uh, we also screened at South by Southwest, because that is Austin. And um, yeah, we've had really great reviews. We've had um, really a, actually a, a wonderful reception for the film. It's been, it's been really a, a treat. It's been lovely. And it was at Berlin as well, Berlin Film Festival. It won a prize. It won the Best Director? Uh, yes, he had a silver bear. We, we've had a really warm, a really warm reception everywhere we've we've been, and you know people have been really appreciative, you know, which is a, a wonderful, a wonderful way, you know, a wonderful response to get. I had a, a unique experience in the bathroom at Sundance. A woman in line in front of me um, was asking. We were chatting, and she asked where I was from, and I said Texas, and she said, "Oh, last night I saw this incredible film from." from Texas, oh, it's just amazing. And I said, oh, which one? Because there were actually some other movies that are, were there from Austin as well. And uh, and she said, oh, it's, it's, it's called Boyhood. You know, it's just amazing. And I, she kept going on. I said, okay, I'm gonna stop you. I, I was the producer and she turned and grabbed me and swept me up and kissed me and, and just said, thank you. And I well, okay. That's a good reaction. Uh, what were you doing when you uh, weren't actually making the film? Um, well, we had, you know, uh, lives. <laughs> um, school and, and work and family and things like that. <laughs> it was really only a, a week or two out of the year, so, you know, it was, uh, in the grand scheme of things, it was really a somewhat small part of our lives. Early, at least for me. I can't speak for Kathleen. She worked a lot more than I did. <laughs> Yeah, I think I actually banked the most hours on it. But um, yeah, it was about two months out of the year for me. I was raising a, a kid, actually. I was a single mom as well, raising my daughter and, um, and doing other projects I, uh, during that time. So. All right, one more question. We'll just uh, there, and then we'll finish up after that. This one's for Ella. Um, so you've been making this film your whole life, but are you now starting to feel like a movie star? Um, I, I, I sure hope not. I, 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 try and, I try not to. I, I'm beginning to feel a little bit like an actor. It's like that's, that reality is starting to set in that like that's is something I've been doing for a long time, but um, I don't, I don't want to be a movie star. Movie star or not, it's been fantastic to uh, firstly to see 
the contribution of both Ella and Kathleen to this film. It's been fantastic to get them to come to Sydney to screen it for us, and it's been terrific to hear them explain some of the finer details. It's been uh, a very rich experience. The fact we've got such a good crowd today indicates how much people have responded well to it, and it's to the great credit of our two guests, so please thank them today.